0: I'm Nurse Jessica Seitz, along with Nurse Erica. We're Nurses Uncorked, the podcast that takes nursing facts with nursing comedy and makes a little cocktail out of it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Nurses Uncorked. Um, I am Nurse Jessica Seitz, and I have with me my lovely co-host, Nurse Erica. You guys all know who Nurse Erica is. Um, And before we get into this week's podcast, um, I wanted to put out there a little bit of a um, trigger warning for people um, before you continue to listen. This um, particular podcast episode here on Nurses in Court deals with the topic of suicide. Um, So if that is a very triggering um, topic for you or something that you're extremely sensitive hearing about um, I would advise that this is not the podcast for you to continue to listen to, um, but we did want put, to put that out there just so that people are aware of what the topic is because it's a, it's a tough one. Um, also, before we get into it, we also wanted to mention and not forget to mention that there is a um, National Suicide and Crisis Prevention Hotline for anybody um, that listens to this podcast. If you at any point feel like... You need help or you need to reach out if you're having any type of suicidal thoughts, dark thoughts. Um, There is always somebody there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it's really simple. You don't even have to dial a whole phone number. You can dial 988, um, and that will connect you to um, a crisis counselor that you can get in contact with immediately, or the long-form phone number is 1-800-442-HOPE. So, with that, I'm going to uh, give it to Nurse Erica. Yeah. And
1: I wanted to point out you can also text that number, 988. Oh, okay, good. If, if that's helpful for some people. So, you may have recently heard me share a story about a 28 year old Ohio registered nurse that sadly took her own life. And her family found a letter entitled A Letter to My Abuser afterwards. And she wrote it about two months prior. We are honored today to be joined by Tristan's dad, Ron Smith, and her sister, Sarah Smith. Welcome, guys.
2: Thank you. Thanks thank for you for having us. Having us.
1: Thank we you guys are um, really grateful that you guys have the courage to discuss what I can only imagine is an, an impossible subject.
2: You're welcome.
3: Thank, thank you. Yeah, I think that as much as it hurts, If we can reach out to even just one person, if we can help one person, then, you know, we have that. And I think that Tristan would want that.
2: Without a doubt. It's it's to help other people. And uh, Tristan was all about helping people, and uh, she loved her job. And so we're going to continue that work for her.
1: It is titled, Letter to My Abuser. Ever since I was young, I expressed interest in healthcare and becoming a nurse, so I began my study. I gave my heart, my body, and my mind to you, dedicated long hours and days, and gave you my all. I have cried with patients, with their families, and for them. I held their hands, and they held mine as I moved forward in my nursing career. My patients and their families have been there for me, supported me. "'and reminded me why I do what I do. "'I thought that was enough. "'This would be all I needed to carry me through my career. "'I told you I would be there for the good and the bad, "'but you have taken my heart "'and slowly crushed the goodness it had. "'You love-bombed me with affection, "'and you told me that I was going into a career that matters. "'I could make a difference. "'You made me feel comfortable, "'despite the rumors of your abusive past.' Rumors I didn't want to believe. The compliments, the pizzas, and the thank you letters gradually had less meaning to me. The staff I worked beside began to go away. In your eyes, these staff were unnecessary, but it came at a high cost for the advertised quality care provided to our patients by those who were left that we put up with so much. But then when we dare to think we are finally going to get the love and support we deserve, We get a pizza party and free pens for healthcare heroes. I so desperately want to continue to help people, but I cannot stay in this abusive relationship. Each day you ask me to do more with less. You beat me to the point that my body and mind are black, bruised, and bleeding out. I'm only sorry to my patients and colleagues. You deserve so much better, but my abusive partner is relentless. If I stay, I will lose my sanity and possibly my life forever.
0: I would like to start with maybe asking a little bit about um, Tristan's past. Like, when did Tristan become a nurse? Uh, did she always know she wanted to be a nurse? Um, some questions like that were her nursing background. I don't know if Ron, if you want to talk about it, or Sarah, but we'd love to hear hear about that. How long she's been in, you know, was a nurse, and kind of dive into that a little bit.
2: Well, she wanted to become a nurse. Uh, She knew this way back in high school. Uh, She actually went to a a program. It was called Allied Health here locally, and she set a course on becoming a nurse. Uh, She went through that program. She uh, got a two thousand dollar scholarship uh, wow. to uh, attend Sinclair College, which is a community college here, and she, um, she started her learning uh, at Sinclair, well, actually through Allied Health to Sinclair, and then uh, earned her uh, license to come on our end. So uh, she knew uh, at an early point in her life, her career path, what she wanted to do. I think that she felt like it was a calling.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, she, she was probably one of the easiest of all the kids, sorry, Sarah, <laughs> to, to uh, raise. But um, we never had to tell her to get up. We never had to tell her to do her homework. She always done it. Uh, she was very focused. Uh, she was a very focused student and knew what she wanted.
0: What year yeah, did, she, she did she graduate, more or less? How long is she, was she a nurse for?
2: Well, she was a nurse for five years. Five so years. she graduated uh, 2013 Okay. Uh, high school, and then she okay. started high her school. studies okay. uh, while okay. she was still being an STNA. And uh, she um, it took her some time to do that, but she got through it, and then uh, she worked at the, the local hospital here for... Five years, and then she did a little bit of traveling nurse after that she went out to uh, sacramento california and and um spent and she was in there. the
1: e r right she was an e r nurse
2: yes yes what her do you holds, think
1: drew her to the e r uh,
2: that's where she's going to really help people that were needing the help the most uh I think that uh she liked uh um, the energy there the the, the I, she, she she just wanted to be in that action so to speak i think
0: i understand and, uh, that i i think a lot of nurses are either i call them adrenaline junkies like we mm-hmm. I, i'm a labor and delivery nurse so i understand that and um er was also something i looked at as well because there's a lot of um excitement i mean there's a lot of things going yeah. on and a lot of so i think an Nurses are are either one or the other. They're either they like that. Um, the other type of yeah, exactly. Or they like a slower paced environment. Yeah, Eric is the other. I I prefer I prefer the, organized, uh... not slow. <laughs> so yeah, ER yeah. is definitely it takes a special nurse to be an ER nurse. It really does. Um, it's a it can be a challenging, rough, uh, rough place. So it takes a very very special person. It's yeah. not the easiest nursing no. job to be in for sure no no and Mm -hmm. she she
3: did she liked the adrenaline she liked the high pace she liked having that immediate feeling of making a difference and stuff like that you know she always told me that she would be bored if she wasn't in the emergency department you know that was just something that she always kind of thrived in
0: yeah it's ever-changing you know you mean you rarely every case is different everything that comes in the door is different so it it definitely Mm -hmm. is uh something that it's, it's not monotony. That's for sure. <laughs> There's always, always something new. So Sarah, I definitely were you appreciate surprised
1: that. that Tristan became a nurse or did that seem like something that she would do growing up with her?
3: Oh, it was so natural. You know, growing up, Tristan was, you know, seven years younger than me. So she always had this sense of maturity about her. And she always just had this need to help. People Like she always was just like, well, how can I help, you know, do this or that? And so, you know, and with her starting and becoming an STNA, you know, as soon as she could, I mean, I don't think there was really any doubt at all.
1: And she was a big animal lover from what I understand. Oh God. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> oh <Huge> yeah. <laughs> <animal lover. laughs> it- I mean, uh, she uh, found this little kitty uh, strayed. And she had to rescue it. And um, <laughs> then she went to a, a shelter and rescued her dog, Calypso. He was a blue pit bull. And I tell you what, that dog had the life. <laughs> uh, the dog had the life. I mean, she uh, would exercise the dog. She loved uh, longboarding. Uh, with, it's kind of like skateboarding, but they call it longboarding. She would be on her longboard going down a hill or down the road and the dog's right beside her. uh, It was just, um, and even on her (laughs) bike, she would ride her bike and there's the dog. And she doesn't live real far away from me. And she would constantly ride her bike over and and here comes Calypso and Kristen.
0: (laughs) So Calypso won the lottery, I guess. Yes. Calypso sounds like he had it good. Uh, she dead.
2: She dead. did either oh, have she... you
3: take in her, her pets uh, my sister our other sister took in her cat Spanx and then mm-hmm. we found a wonderful home for Callie so That's big good. old yard other pit bulls you know to be able to play with and oh, good. just you know so yeah,
0: yeah so, that was the cat's name was Spanx mm-hmm. so cute <laughs> Spanx yep <laughs> Spanx Oh, Sphinx. I, yes. I thought it, I so was thinking, thinking of the,
1: the underwear. I'm like, did
0: yeah, I'm like, Spanx? did she have a special relationship with Sphinx? <laughs> no. Okay. That makes more sense now. Because <laughs> no, I was like, Spinks. there's got to be a story there with that. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I mean, no. I wouldn't put it past her. <laughs>
3: Um, Looking back
1: now, was there ever a time where you noticed that Tristan maybe was struggling or wasn't as happy in her nursing career as she was in the beginning?
2: Um, I I made a comment to my wife uh, probably three months prior to her taking her life. I said, do you notice a difference in Tristan? A little bit. More withdrawn. I saw her sitting by herself, and um but that's not common for her to do that. But I, I sensed something that was going on, but I didn't uh, realize the depression. But, uh,
0: Did she ever mention it. to you guys at any point like struggles with um with work, like administration, or or going and talking to a manager and not being heard, or feeling like they weren't staffed appropriately did I mean and some people aren't the kind to vocalize that to their family just because unless you are actually working in it sometimes you know I can relate to that you just kind of feel like you're just talking like and nobody's going to really get it um but I wonder did she ever express anything like that to you guys ever
2: um no uh not to me personally um I think that she I I shouldn't say that. Uh, She told me that if she would have talked to people at the hospital, uh, she would have been labeled as being incapable of uh, doing the job. Um, She never went to the, the psychologist, but I think she was fearful to go to the psychologist in the ER and talk to her. That is
1: unfortunately all too common. Uh, You know, depending on the state, different state boards of nursing operate a little differently, but we are often required as part of our um, renewing of our license every two years. We're required to disclose if we've had any psychological issues or treatment. And some states ask point blank, you know, have you had any suicidal thoughts things like that. And so we are supposed to disclose that. Uh but unfortunately what happens a lot of the time is that they then take those nurses and put them into a a program that is very punitive, you know, so instead of supporting them realizing it had nothing to do with their ability as a nurse they now have to um, do things like ongoing drug tests or be monitored for a couple of years. Um, it's on their their record. So if they go to apply in another state for licensure, any, it, it becomes a whole thing. And unfortunately, because of that, nurses often don't speak up or they don't right. go and get the treatment that they need because the the fear of retaliation um or risking their license that they worked so hard for is very real unfortunately,
0: yeah it's just it's fear of being labeled it's fear of um once that's out there, you know that you're you may not be able to to keep the job that you do desperately love, or it's i think a lot of it is um this misconception that nurses are supposed to be so strong, like we're supposed to be able to take care of everybody and and muster through it. And, you know, to to admit and to, to go to somebody that this is taking such an emotional and mental toll on you a lot of times is hard. It's hard for nurses to do that, whether it's depression or maybe even um, same thing with drug abuse. A lot of people that are abusing alcohol or drugs that are, uh healthcare workers um a lot of times they don't seek out the help because of those same those same scenarios you know so i think that that um, it, it's it's taboos that those need to be broken broken down it needs to be more so that uh healthcare workers nurses can can speak about that and and be taken validly and helped well, you know and
1: we need state boards of nursing to really not, um, operate in that manner to not be so punitive towards nurses. It's, it's not helping anyone. Uh, Sarah, in your perception, was there anything looking back that was maybe a red flag? Did you know of any issues with Tristan?
3: Um, I think I probably knew more than dad did. Um, I've worked in customer service, the restaurant industry for 16 years. So Tristan okay. would reach out to me a lot after her shifts. We'd had a lot of like midnight talks just about people. And, you know, cause I think that I was probably the closest thing that she had that would understand, you know, her stories and kind of like mm-hmm. believe her and just, you know, I'm not in healthcare. I'm not a nurse. So like I was able to help her in my own way. But I think that I could tell when something was kind of bothering her because she would call more frequently um, and the conversations would last longer. And then towards the end, they wouldn't really be anything of substance like they used to be. It's like she just wanted to talk, but she didn't want to talk about it anymore because I think that's just a mental exhaustion. And, you know, and like you were saying, that taboo that nurses Mm -hmm. are just supposed to be these subhuman people. It's absolutely ridiculous. It is. You are still humans and it's like the job is already stressful. And the fact that we are normalizing that when it hasn't been normalized before is absolutely insane. It's like we've lost all touch with humanity.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's very toxic. And uh, the gaslighting is pervasive. You know, you hear things like, well, welcome to nursing you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. If, if a nurse is upset that something happened inappropriately or with a patient or anything, well, you know, you're going to have to put on your big girl panties. You're a nurse now. Come on. Mm-hmm. We don't have time for that. Get back out well, there. You
3: know, it, It's not fair And to nurses. That's why. Yeah. And that's why people don't speak out a lot. That's why we see it. Cause you're just told to take it and take it and take it. And mm-hmm. if you do express anything, you're dismissed you know? And so then you start internalizing everything and it just builds and builds and builds because there is no outlet. And it's like, you don't seek help because you will be stigmatized for it. I've, you know, had so many people reaching out to me since this letter broke and I've heard so many of the same stories and, you know, if something doesn't change, there will be another Tristan and another one and another one and another one. And that breaks my heart.
1: Jessica and I were talking earlier today and both of us personally know other nurses Mm -hmm. that took their own life. Mm -hmm. So this is certainly not an isolated incident, unfortunately, at all. Uh, Did she ever tell you anything specific that was going on at work, Sarah, that you can share any of her frustrations?
3: Um, definitely staffing shortages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she kind of hit nursing at a weird time because it was during COVID and she was still pretty young. So, like, yeah. she got a small glimpse of pre-COVID, but it, you know, during COVID, I think that really kind of just heightened all of the issues that were already present in our healthcare system. Um, staffing shortages are a big thing, um... You know, in her letter, she referenced the being hit. I, I know that yes. that was a thing. Um, yeah. Verbal, verbal abuse from all sides, not just, you know, yeah. administration, but patients. It's like you're dealing with very, yes you're dealing with humans in their most vulnerable state. The worst day a of lot their of, life. Yeah. Exactly. And the response to that, that human response is anger. You know, because Often. you don't want someone to see you as weak. So it's like, that's part of the job. But I think it just heightened. And then people were so understanding at first with COVID and with all the rules and regulations and all this stuff. And then it just kind of
0: started to diminish. And then
3: it just yes. disintegrated almost yes. overnight.
0: What a rough time to start out in nursing for anybody that really was just getting their bearings to do that during COVID. Yeah. I can't I can't imagine. imagine. It's hard mm-hmm. enough trying to learn all the things that we have to learn as a new grad and coming in as a nurse. It's stressful enough. Um, mm-hmm. so to recently then be thrown into a pandemic. Um and, especially and still a be pandemic to that learn. We
1: didn't understand the disease for a long time. Mm. Everything scary. was an
3: unknown. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're you're literally everyone's rotating in and out of the COVID ward. So it's just like, you know, the risk is heightened and You know, the, she talked about the lack of masks and having to wash them and reuse the same mask for weeks on end, you know, and it Mm -hmm. wasn't just that location. It's all across the country. And, you know, it just, I heard a lot of things that, you know, from an outside perspective, you just, it's hard to grasp your head around how serious it is. Because if there's one thing I know, it's that if you're not a nurse, you don't understand nursing. Correct. you can understand that's certain aspects act. of it but, but you, you don't really
1: understand. can't appreciate it that's true that's true mm-hmm. and i think sometimes that's why nurses don't speak out to their friends or family that are non healthcare right. people mm-hmm. because it it almost feel, feels a little bit futile like yes you can
0: empathize with them but you really don't get it it's you always know? that saying like, like until you walk in my shoes which sometimes I- <laughs> I hate that phrase, but at the same time, I completely I, I completely get it because as a nurse, unless you've done it, it's very hard to explain it. You can try. You can try your best, but until you go through that on a daily basis, it's it's hard. One thing that um I wanted to say was like I, I truly feel like the nursing profession has been it's always been seen as like we're supposed to be almost robotic. We're supposed to be infallible, perfect people and the truth is we are human beings we we are not computers we are not machines we are not robots and we do make mistakes and the scary part is it doesn't matter if the staffing is getting worse you're still expected to be perfect the pressure that that puts on nurses is something that is very difficult to describe it's very um very stressful, very, very hard because you, you think I, I, I can't even get to my patients. I can't see them in a timely manner. And then to be seen as you've got to get all your charting done. Don't you dare make a mistake. You're going to be in big trouble. These are people's lives is a, is a lot. It's a lot for anybody to take. It's, um, very, very hard to describe. And I, uh, Oh, it's a tough, it's a tough road. I, that that is for sure. And that's the thing, isn't it? The the higher ups just aren't seeing it, or they don't want to see it. They don't care. It's uh, still I, like they you know still have to do it. They don't. They don't want care. to
1: pretend like they they
2: it's real. They, yeah, they don't care. Uh, Today, i I think that uh, like uh, I have talked to other people before. They're into this lean manufacturing. Uh, yes. Mindset and do the most you can with the least amount of people. And yeah. in the healthcare, you really can't operate that way, <laughs> uh, be- because, um, like Tristan said in her letter, you know, it, it's. She said you took away staff because, in your eyes, they were not needed. Yes. But yeah, we're
0: expendable. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Needed. Um, and I I feel that uh, the administrators know. I mean, if they can um, get away with less staffing, you know,
1: they will every time if they can. Yeah. Well, there's no accountability.
3: There's no accountability. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it, it just, it creates this world of fear and paranoia where you, Tristan would mention going home and just thinking about her patients because it's like, you're so understaffed that then you're worried about. Oh my gosh, did I mess this up? Did I mess that yeah. up? Is this person, you know, what is my mind? Am fault? I gonna
1: get a call tomorrow that I forgot something? We will wake up in the middle of the night and go, Oh my god, I forgot the pain meds for bed, bed four, whatever. You know, it just never quite Your brain doesn't turn us. off. It doesn't turn <laughs> yeah.
0: off. It's a constant. Yeah. But constant Ron, worry. you
1: you uh, mentioned something important, the lean process. And I know you Mm -hmm. and I had discussed that before. Uh, I don't know if everybody is aware of that, but you know, that, that came originally from the automobile industry, right. To um, you want to talk about that a little bit.
2: Actually it came from Japan and the automotive industry picked up on it. Okay. And uh, they call it six Sigma. And uh, whenever you get into the lean aspect in six Sigma, uh it's it's not the true purpose of it is not to work unsafe, but what can we look at in the processes to eliminate labor that's not needed. And, and it was never
1: meant for health care. No,
2: no, no, but they picked up on it. And um and unfortunately, um they must see a value to having less people because they're earning more money. Labor Absolutely. is expensive in any business. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and nursing is know,
1: the most expensive labor force in any healthcare organization.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so and, uh, yeah, and you, you stop and think about, you know, the administrators, I hear so often from people that work in hospitals how they really don't they've got the worst in healthcare insurance that um, in the industry. Correct. High deductibles and, and <clears throat> yeah. high the ones co-cavers. providing
1: the health care often have the worst health care benefits
2: it, and the it, most that expensive. Doesn't make sense. It that does doesn't. not make sense. But I yeah. I think the the CEOs and the administrators, hey, we're saving money. This is more this is bonus money that we're
1: oh yeah. We're For each on. nurse less that they employ or have on a shift. That equates to um, increased bonuses for them at the end of the quarter or the end of the year. And unfortunately, that is why they often purposely understaff. You know, you hear about um, calling nurses off, flexing nurses. Um, Mm -hmm. it's It's not because there isn't work for them to do most of the time. You know, it's it's just that per the staffing ma- matrix, you know, metrics. Right. Um, we don't we don't need that many nurses. Well, yes, you do. Yes, you do.
2: You absolutely you do. do. To give the quality care that they advertise, you have to have the quality there in place, and you have to have the staffing to give that quality. So yeah, oh, I'm sorry, I, sir.
3: No, you're good. I was just gonna say it's so sad that we have to talk about business in terms of healthcare because business has no place in healthcare. There is no reason for any of this and it shouldn't be, but yet somehow we've gotten so off track that it's just, it's all about that bottom line. And, and the customer customer service, not patients, but Mm -hmm. customers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I've actually been sent to, I think it was a three or four day Conference on the whole lean process some years ago, and I yeah, knew there's training the first courses five, on Six Sigma. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I knew within the first five minutes sitting there going, "What? <laughs> this does, yeah. this is not going to work in healthcare? Are you kidding me?" But they have just been pushing this narrative for so long, and it it really has contributed and to the downfall. They, they
0: cut a lot from the bottom; they don't cut from the top. They cut from the Never. bottom, and sadly, oh, yeah. ner- sadly, nurses, CNAs, we're all seen as as bottom feeders. That's how I feel like they look at us. Like we're just the bottom of the totem. Necessary
1: evil. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh we're gonna we will function on the least amount possible. But not only that, speaking to the whole insurance thing, the more employees that they have that do not need benefits, the better. So it's better mm-hmm. for them to have Nurses that don't need insurance—that's why they bring in sometimes travel nurses, or they would rather mm-hmm. have a travel nurse because they do—they don't have they to pay. actually these, save these. money. Yeah, yeah. And so mm-hmm. you keep bringing in people that don't have experience there, that are new, that are in and out, and quick turnovers, and it's more recipe for disaster. I mean, sadly, yeah. it really is,
2: yeah. and yeah. that just
0: puts strain on 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 everybody. Yeah. Next now point,
2: that's where we're going to is disaster with this. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, Continued disaster all the way around from um, a catastrophic patient disaster to what happened to Tristan. It's disaster everywhere. It's not, yeah. you know, it's not just nurses, but this affects patients. Patients are sadly going to have catastrophic things happen to them because they're, but they we're are, supposed to be are. perfect. Yes. Um,
1: Ron, to the extent that you're comfortable sharing with us, can you take us back to August 7th about 2 months ago and uh tell us what happened?
2: Yeah, I I can tell you the story. Um it was her day off that day. I knew it. I texted her around noon and I asked her what her plans were for the day and uh in typical kid fashion, they didn't she didn't answer back right. to me. And uh, uh, in around five o'clock, I again texted her and said, what'd you do today? And again, I had no answer. And about an hour later, I texted her and I said, Tristan, are you okay? And I said, there was no answer. And then I told my wife then, I said, I'm going over to Tristan's house to check on her. Because this is out of the norm. Um, You know, she may go three or four hours without texting me, but then I eventually I hear from her. So I drove over at her house, um, and I had a sinking feeling for some reason as I drove over because she never responded. Um, pulled up in her driveway, and I noticed that the kitchen lights were on and the living room light was on. And I thought, oh, good, she's home. And I uh, pulled up on the, in her driveway and her dog, which is normally looking out the window, seeing who's here, was um, looking at me. And then I went up to the door, knocked on the door. And again, I had no no answer to the door. So I had a key. I let myself in, called out her name. There was no, no answer. And I thought, where can she be at? I went into her living room. Uh, went into her bedroom, looked there. She was not there. Looked into uh, the spare room that she had. She wasn't there. And as I turned around, um, leading up to her attic, the stairs there, she was hanging. Mm-hmm. And I could tell that she was there for some time. Um, her arms, from her elbows down, were completely blue. I reached out and touched her, and I could feel that she was cold and stiff. And uh, very horrifying sight.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure. I have no, no, no words. I.
2: Yeah.
0: I can't well, she imagine. She fell
2: so hard too that she bit through her tongue completely.
0: Oh, her so... tongue
2: was harshly. Uh, you could see that, I could see that clearly. And um, begin asking her the questions of why, you know.
3: I'm
1: so sorry that you had to find her that way.
0: I'm so yeah. sorry. Me too. <laughs> what, that no, no no, parent should ever, ever? No. No. No.
2: no. She I, should I'm... have been a Attending my funeral, not me planning hers. Yeah, and um, it was just shock. I, the term shock.
0: I can't um, imagine. Yeah, I mean, almost like you're not seeing what you're seeing. Like,
2: I know it. It, it took me a while to uh, gather myself.
0: Of course. I
2: then immediately. Probably after about five minutes, I called uh, my wife and told her what had happened. I called uh, her other sister, Day, called Sarah, and uh, told them what had happened. Um, in the background, um, I mean, I then called 911, of course, after the, I talked to them and told them. And, um, uh, I was just, um, all the sirens had stopped, and the neighbors were outside wanting to know what was going on, and it was just awful. It was just awful.
1: Sarah, um, again, to the extent that you're comfortable,
3: what was that day like for you? Um, So it was Monday, I'd just gotten off work, and like, you know, just kind of going about Normal task. And then I actually heard from day first. um, And she had called me and she was just a wreck. You know, she couldn't get the words out. And it was kind of, you know, Tristan. And then, you know, your heart sings because you know, you know, and it's one of those things where humanity just takes over. You know, you're, you're, people think that your first reaction is to just drop to your knees and cry, but it's not. It's an over. Whelming sense of numbness from just all this adrenaline and all these things just pumping through your body, and it's just like, I think I said okay, like probably ten times, because how do you react to that? You know, because it, yeah. it's like it's fight or flight, and you're just like, okay, okay, okay. It, you can't gather your thoughts. I think yeah. one of the first things I said to Dad was, "Well, do you want me to come over?" Well, of course he wants me to come over, but it's like you don't know. You don't know to- what to. Yeah. It, no, you're in no, 'cause because yeah you are, and you know it's just it's something that no family should ever have to go through, and it teaches you a lot about yourself, about how strong your family is, and kind of those experiences that a lot of people aren't going to understand. You know. It, No one's going to understand what my dad went through in that moment. No. But what I can say is, as a kid, it is the most heartbreaking thing to watch your parent and have to listen to your parent go through this. It is not worth it. It is not worth it. And I beg anyone that is listening to this that is struggling or has struggled, you are not alone you are worth it. And people do care about you. And so please, please reach out. Get the help that you need. I know Tristan made an excuse a lot about money. So to anyone that is a mental health professional and wants to help nurses, people with PTSD, you know, it, offer those services. Reach out. Let's be good human beings and help people because this is not something that should ever happen.
1: Yeah. Excellent point. We do need so much more mental health services for nurses and for medical professionals.
3: And you should not have to report it. You should be allowed to be a
0: human. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's what we all
2: need to know your mental state. I mean, I, 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 I mean, a nurse needs to be able to talk to somebody in confidence without it getting back or being reported back to. Um, I I just feel that uh, the demands on nurses right now, they need mental support and help, not because they're not capable of doing the job, but because of the job and the abuse yeah. that goes in that industry right now that I think that... Uh, they need somebody to talk to. What
0: what I find so sad is that m- mental health is so, there's such a stigma about it anyways. You know, and I I always correlate this to like, if you've got depression or anxiety or anything that, that you know, is debilitating, it's just like high blood pressure. It's just like diabetes. It It's not yeah. going to just turn off. You can't just turn it off it doesn't go away. It is an actual imbalance in your brain. It's not anybody's fault. It's not the person's fault. It's not the family's fault. It's nobody's, it's a medical condition. And that needs to be, there's such a taboo with it. It's like, you don't want to be seen as weak. You want to be able to see that you want people to think you're strong, you know, that you, you, you can just stop it. And that is not, the case that is not, mm-hmm. it. and to to make people in this world feel like there's nothing that can be done, there's nothing that I can do. I'm always going to feel this way. This is how I'm going to feel the rest of my life. Has got to be such a horrible, horrible place to be in, I, Yeah. Um,
1: <clears throat> Ron, was there anything uh, unusual about Tristan's home? that you noticed um that day or
2: or afterwards i I, when i saw her room um clothes were all over the floor uh that was not like her um well maybe sometimes as a kid i remember teenager clothes but clothes were all over the floor uneaten food uh was by her bed um i did notice that but My concern was where she was at. I didn't think about it, but it was sure noticed. Yeah. Uh, When we went in to empty out her house, and that was not normal for her. Pardon?
1: That was not normal
2: for her. No. Yeah. No. No, it was not.
0: Um, I think Erica had messaged to me something about. Finding positive affirmations around her, oh, her yes. home, some mantras. Like, yeah. Do you oh, mind yes. expanding on that? Were they little notes to herself, or were they plaques? Oh, she or she had uh,
2: notes on the refrigerator. She had notes um, around her her house. Um, I am worthy. Um, I mean. I I have them down in my basement. (laughs) Even I can take pictures of them and send them to you. Oh, Read Read that, Sarah.
3: Yeah, so the two most common ones that we found were, I am wise, I am worthy, I am abundant. And then the second one is, The love of life and all things living brings alignment and vitality that creates abundance.
2: Wow. That's what she had on her fridge. She had Mm -hmm. handwritten out.
0: That so sounds she was trying to, to like, bring herself positivity yeah. she was trying hard oh, yeah. to yeah. she was yeah she was wanting to to almost talk to herself it sounds like she was wanting to tell herself don't be don't feel like this like you are right you can pull through you're good you're you know um that that's what it sounds like she was she trying was
2: trying to self-help is what yeah. she was trying to do Mm -hmm. And Tristan was the type of personality that uh, she would always follow through with everything. I mean, for her to go out to Sacramento, California, to pack up her dog, pack up her cat, that takes courage. Absolutely. On your own? Not many people would do that by themselves. At a young age? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was worried sick the whole trip, you know. (laughs) Let me know where you're at. Answer my text because I need to know where you're at and that you're okay. But she did that three days worth. She did it smartly. And, um, And
1: that was kind of part of her, don't you think, also trying to help herself was by maybe leaving the hospital that she was at for so long and going specifically to California where, you know, as of right now is the only state with mandated staffing ratios. Don't you think that was maybe her way of trying to help herself?
2: I think that uh, that was one of the big reasons. Uh, One, they had the Epic computer system Mm-hmm. Um, in the ER and the patient nursing the patient ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember her telling me that, "Hey, Dad, I got my breaks. I get my breaks. Fifteen-minute breaks and half an that's hour. Break. Sad
0: that that's a big you... deal for us. Sadly, yeah. I mean,
2: but yeah, it is. why?
0: Why do, is it expected that we just don't have that everywhere? I mean, that's that's basic human needs." And and most of the time we're told you can't have food or or, a, or drink at the nurse's station. So you don't but give prioritize self care. Prioritize self care, but don't but drink we, water. But we can't yeah, but we can't eat or drink in front of other people at the nurses. It, it makes no sense. You know? So yeah. d- for us to have to be excited to get a break is well, is you were crazy. talking about
2: robots earlier. Yes. So. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Absolutely. So, in did she fact, enjoy she
2: was,
1: traveling in California? Would you say
2: more so? Oh yeah, I think I think that she did. She liked it much better. I do think that some of the stories that she um, had told me while she was out there of what she saw uh, played a direct role in her PTSD. And uh, I, I I don't want to really share that, but. It, um, I think she did like it better. Uh, I think she was more comfortable. In fact, she went out for three months, she renewed her contract and stayed another three months. Oh,
0: yeah, okay, so... but
2: um, she, she did come home once, she was getting homesick, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she actually came home. My birthday is on the 19th of February, and hers is on the 21st, and so she surprised me um, Aww. when her mom was getting a tattoo. Uh, on her ankle by her daughter, and she'd asked me to come over and be moral support for her. And then all of a sudden, I felt arms come around me, and I thought it was Sarah at first. <laughs> I said, said "Sarah." She surprised you. At her. <laughs> she surprised me.
0: So that was nice.
1: That's a yeah. sweet, sweet
0: memory. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, when did you discover uh the letter that Tristan had written?
2: um the letter was discovered the next day um, my daughter day uh and Tristan were very, very close and so they were going through a lot of different uh passwords to get into her laptop okay and after probably the thirtieth one they they were Finally. able to open it, yeah
0: oh wow
2: and that's when we saw the letter
0: what so was your you there first when when they reaction? found it or 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 your daughter actually found it and told you about it like or were you guys together, or how did that happen? Well, I think
2: her cousin was the one that was operating uh the computer
0: mm-hmm.
2: and um she was the one that just uh, she was the one that discovered it and then showed it to me. Okay. And then we shared it with everybody else that was around. What
1: was your initial reaction to that?
2: I I, I was I had to read it twice to understand I'm sure. to begin to understand what she was talking about. Um, I was shocked. I was surprised that she could write a letter like this, and at the end of the letter, state that. Possibly taken her life, um, but I—I I told everybody after everybody read it, I—I I, I came into the living room and I said, "This story has to be told."
3: Yeah,
0: Did that's one thing that we're very how... fortunate. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah,
3: the... see, that's one but... thing we're very fortunate about as a family. We didn't. There was no debate as to whether or not we were going to share this or talk about it. You know, it was we,
2: pretty.
3: Yeah. That's we amazing, that, it our amazing. memorial
2: service, we didn't hide anything <laughs> because people's going to ask too many questions. And I, let's get it out there. Let's be done with it. Yeah. Uh, let's tell her story. Yeah. And we did.
0: Did and you realize pretty, how many people were going to resonate with that letter, though? Did you, oh in any gosh, way, shape, or form, no. think? Yeah, because I will tell no. you, any healthcare worker that reads that every word is exactly how yes. we feel all the time it's like as if we are writing that letter um i that's she the only way that i can describe that letter is um it, there's not one thing in it that you don't resonate with like it's that you don't yes, feel yes, in your soul yes. because you've that's, been there that's mm-hmm. me and what a way to describe it, a letter to my abuser, because I was telling Erica, it's like a, almost like a domestic violence relationship. It is. You There's feel, so mm, many you, similarities. You feel like you can't speak up. You feel like if you, you're going to get in more trouble if you say something, you're going to be punished if you speak about it. Um, you have to take it and take it. And what they do is they break down your soul. And I speak from experience. I, I Empathy manipulation. I, I, yeah. They, they, and if you do speak out, and I, I spoke out, they don't care. There, it's like no. this is how I am feeling. This is how we're all feeling, and it's a very condescending look. And it's just like, I am sorry, but that there is no, there is no care, there is no compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, the way that she phrased that is spot on. I mean, absolutely spot on. There's so many
1: similarities with an abusive relationship. If you think about it, um, you know, I, I'm staying for the kids. I'm staying for the patients. Right. You know, it, yeah. it, it really is similar And the way that she wrote that really? was so eloquent because at first you, you think that it is about an abusive relationship, a typical romantic relationship, and then it, it unfolds. So eloquently, skillfully, until you realize the abuser is the hospital, the healthcare system at large that is abusing nurses mm-hmm. everywhere. And um, unfortunately, it was not only eloquent, but prophetic, unfortunately. Yeah.
3: I think her purpose and her point of writing letters to help other people, mm-hmm. to let you know you're oh, not yeah. alone.
0: But it's also to tell herself, I'm not alone either. The part of the letter that says about, um, we're told to just, what could you do to make it better? How could you do this differently is something we hear all all the time, time. all the time. And it, which is victim blaming is abuse. That is abuse from Mm -hmm. the system. That is abuse on how Mm -hmm. dare we be the ones that are injured uh, cursed at, spit at, bitten, yeah. possibly shot, stabbed, and then said, there. "What
1: could you have done differently?" And then told, "I, how I can don't know. We maybe I could it. have gotten my my crystal ball and predicted five minutes ahead in the future." I don't know. What could you have done differently? That's what I want nurses to start asking in response when managers or admin asks them, "What could you have done differently?" I want nurses' knee jerk response to become, "What could you have done differently to protect your staff?"
2: Exactly. And that should be their number one responsibility to make sure everybody's safe so they can treat the patients.
0: Yeah, and they don't want yeah. you to and report it. They don't really want no. the hospital. It's all about the hospital being seen in a bad light. That is their number one thing Absolutely. is to protect is. protect their, their face. So, uh, i I mean, in hearing that, it sounds like a letter to her abuser is all of it. It's the abuse mm. that that nurses take on a daily basis, all the way from everyone, from every, everything. It's, it's exactly what it is.
2: And it shouldn't have to be that way. I mean, if (sighs) there's so many nurses feeling this way, there's, there's power in numbers. And that's what I always say. We have to march that forward. We got to get them on board and march that forward to our senators or state representatives. I mean, to... Let's get this changed and let's get the the administrators, the CEOs, let's give them a serious heads up. Hey, the way you're doing business isn't right.
0: Yeah. The way
2: you're treating your employees is not right.
0: What yeah. would you guys and, think if, if a nurse or anybody that's listening to this podcast thinks, what can I do to help? Like, is there is there, you know, even if it's just a, a tiny thing, do you, Sarah, do you have a suggestion for, you know, I mean, I know me and Erica talked, we, we have ideas, but like, what do you, what do you guys as a family discuss?
3: I mean, you know, it's, it's a very difficult thing because sometimes the way that you're able to help isn't the way that people need you to help. And so, you know, I always tell people, if you're able to just let, listen, just listen, you're not going to understand, but you can listen because sometimes it just, has to be on a human level. I mentioned it earlier. If you are a therapist, offer discounted rates to healthcare professionals, to emergency responders, those you kind of things. Need Let's... Exactly. The system is not going to do it for them. We actually have to just become better humans. If you have friends in the nursing community, you all can speak out, share my sister's story, continue to share yours, make them listen. Because the only way that any change can come is if the hand is forced.
0: I think everybody needs to mail this letter off to every representative, Absolutely. every CEO, yeah. share every it, up. it, it should post be it on
1: everybody's
0: desk and everybody's tag, email.
1: Tag your representatives, post it online,
0: send it once a week that to your legislators. That is a, a simple. I mean, essentially free, unless you're mailing and put a stamp. It's one of the easiest things that can be done, but it needs to be brought in the face of everybody that either has the potential to make change for healthcare workers or the ones that are continuing on a daily basis to abuse all of us. They all need to see it, and they all need to read it, every one of them. Yeah, and
1: we should be using it in context of uh legislation that mm-hmm. unfortunately congress is stalling on you know you mentioned safe staffing and Tristan alludes to that in the letter well there is federal legislation pending it's the nurse staffing standards for hospital patient safety and quality of care act and it has passed the house of representatives and it has been sitting for quite a while with the senate going absolutely nowhere and it's a brilliant piece of legislation i've read it from end to end and and it's so good it would give us federal uh, mandated ratios comparable to california but the reality is that this is reintroduced every single year with every congress and they let it die without even being voted on every single year so think about that even in 2020 when we were healthcare heroes and there was clapping and Pots Mm -hmm. and pans, banging, and, you know, we were angels on earth, right? Even that year, the Senate didn't bother to even hold a vote on it. They don't care about patient safety. They sure as hell don't care about nurses and nurse safety. But that's what I think everyone should be pushing for. There are a handful of states that have pending legislation specific to their state for ratios. Um, Oregon just recently became the second state. That takes effect next year, I believe. Uh, but we need to be pushing our representatives. And I think I, Kristen's should just be letter is the a great board.
0: way. I mean, it shouldn't need to be that a state to state is having to fight over this. I mean, it is. Right. It should be everywhere. It should just be everywhere. And I mean, Erica, why do you think that these, that it just gets lost every year and nobody votes on it? Like, is it because there's other oh, m- things money, that, that are, money yeah, and that's power? What I'm getting no, at. because healthcare organizations
1: have billions of dollars that they readily spend on lobbyists to
0: um So if you don't you know, vote on it, they will give you more, they'll give you more money. I yeah, see. Okay, yeah. That's what I'm yeah. trying to understand is, That that make that sad, but it it is. It should make you angry, is what it should. I read some
3: statistics: ninety three percent of healthcare workers reported stress, eighty six percent anxiety, seventy seven percent frustration, and seventy six percent exhaustion or burnout. Three quarters said they were overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. But for context, you know, it, it it's so frustrating and honestly disgusting. That politics has any place in the health, anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They should not be allowed to dictate your health. They should not be allowed right. to make money off of people's suffering.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And now and we we're need to be, be asking where the money is going. The public needs to be asking, especially these nonprofits, where is the money going? It's going in their pocket. Even the nonprofits, it's it's going to their million dollar bonuses. You know, meanwhile, female nurses have a suicide rate twice as high as the non nurse female population.
0: Right, and that's what I, another thing they were saying is like a lot of the ones for years. You know that it's been um, physicians that you know have have held the number one spot for like healthcare workers, but it's because it's male predominant versus female predominant which is 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 a big difference that people aren't aren't realizing they say that men typically you know suicidal wise are more likely to actually go through with it so that's why those type of professions and we are female predominant profession but but yes yeah. like another statistic i read was 38% of nurses have suicidal thoughts at 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 some point it's the number one of all Professions. So, over one third of nurses at some point in their nursing career feel that way or have felt that way, Um, and that's of the ones that are willing to admit it. So, imagine, imagine what those statistically what the number really really is. I mean, I can tell you. And you you know, the irony. I I did. I mean, I would be one of those part of that statistic. You know.
2: I think we need to flood our senators with letters. Yeah. Everybody out here that I mean, so many people have resonated with Tristan's letter. If they would take the time out, put a stamp on, yep, mail it. Um, mm-hmm. Let's let let's flood and uh, let us send a mail that like, they've never seen before. Um,
1: what is your hope? I'm, what what would you like to see come of this horrible tragedy?
2: I would like to see a safe patient to nurse ratio. I mean, if you have the labor there to do the job, nurses wouldn't be stressing out or having nightmares. Did I forget to do this, do that? Yeah. Because you had eight other patients that day that you were trying to help. Um, That would be the number one goal. And the number two goal, I think, would be unionize.
1: You're speaking my language, uh, Ron.
2: I I think that uh, nurses need to have a voice. Yes. And what's going on? And if the administrators aren't listening, then unionize so they will listen. Um, That's that right. That is, you know, you can't bury this under the rug, I don't think. I'm not going to let any this right go. Now. And I'm going to continue for pressing you. forward to it. And and I'm going to continue to work with Erica. and And I want something done about it. My daughter is not, my daughter's passing is not going to be in vain. Um, I think that her letter is very powerful. I think it's resonated, uh, with the nursing world and mm-hmm. let's get the nursing world together and let's march. Let, let's absolutely let's move forward. Let's,
0: yeah, Because let's we are it. all
1: Tristan, right? Every absolutely. nurse feels that, feels I yeah. am Tristan. I have been Tristan at some point. I am still Tristan. We get it. We feel it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and so, um. I'm not going to stop.
1: I know you just started a GoFundMe. Sarah, do you want to tell us a little bit about the GoFundMe?
3: Yeah. So originally the GoFundMe was to help cover all of the expenses that come with death. And it's kind of evolved into something different because, you know, the response has been overwhelming. I mean, hundreds and, thousands of shares and you know, the reactions and it's just you're hearing all these stories and it's like we don't want anyone to feel silenced anymore. You know, it's kind of it's a purpose, you know, and that's what this given us. So this GoFundMe has changed its course and it's now going to be used. The funds will be used to help share Tristan's story to help promote it. Dad mentioned, you know, T shirts. He mentioned marching. Maybe we get some protests mm-hmm. together, some peaceful yeah. protesting, yeah. signs, all yeah. that kind of stuff. You know, you want to know how you can help. Let's help. Let's make a change. And so we haven't really discussed too many of the ideas. I have a lot in my head as well. You know, Me too. <laughs> With her letter and, you know, but I think that. I would like for- to see Tristan's letter as a full page ad.
1: In something like the New York Times, the Washington Post, L.A. Times, one of those huge publications, Mm -hmm. um, because the world, the country needs to see this. And we need for these healthcare organizations to have the spotlight on them, to have the negative publicity, because they are the ones behind the mental health crisis. Let's be real. The mental health Mm -hmm. crisis that their employees are suffering, they're the ones behind it.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree.
3: And the fact that we've allowed this bully to do this for so long is absolutely insane, you know? And it's that fear of, well, if I say something, I could be reprimanded, you know? And with Tristan's letter, it kind of is a catalyst saying, you know what? No, I am going to say something. And then another person, and another person. And next thing you know, you're hearing. So many people say, I validate this. I am yeah. this. I have felt this. These are my stories.
1: It you
2: takes, know, it takes courage to move forward uh, it because you, it's all unknown. And um, once you start marching and you know what the mission is, then we're not going to stop until the mission's complete.
1: The hospital um, also planted a tree in Tristan's honor.
2: Mm -hmm. didn't they yeah yeah um they uh informed me well actually i actually informed them of tristan's death because i didn't know she had any benefits at the hospital or anything Mm -hmm. and um well she didn't she was she was uh set up as a after she basically quit the hospital she was set up uh, as a call nurse, yeah, yeah, where she could set her own schedule. She wanted to go in for a right. couple hours. She could, but um, then um, I heard back, and uh, I think it was from her team leader mm-hmm. um, that told me uh, that they were going to do this, and we could be a part of it if we wanted to. Um, at the time, I thought, you know, this is a nice gesture. Um, but they, they did let the, the emergency room people come out and tie ribbons to the tree. And and I, I kind of felt it was, it was a nice gesture. But on the other hand, I felt like they're partly responsible for this.
1: Yeah. That and was so my feeling.
2: Kind of a two-edged sword of my feelings about that.
3: Right.
2: Yeah. Uh, because it's like... <laughs>
3: Well, and I'd My be willing story's... to bet the tree wasn't the higher ups. It was probably her coworkers that encouraged probably.
1: it. Well, it was I, probably I their media relations person I making sure, sure that well, the proper optics were being used. was for suicide
2: awareness, and it was um, I. I don't know. I, yeah. It was, yeah.
1: Um, I I wanted to to end on a good note. And uh, I wonder if you might be willing to share the greased door story, Ron.
2: (laughs) I want to hear this. My (laughs) wife tells the story much better than I can. Um, Mm -hmm. She was the one that found found all this. Uh, Tristan was a teenager, Uh, Mm -hmm. like all teenagers, they try to sneak out of the house and did. (laughs) And uh, Tristan had this bright idea of taking Vaseline or grease to the side of the door because we had an older home and it creaked when you opened it. <laughs> and so she greased up the whole side of the door and on the handle itself. And uh, my <laughs> wife went to open the door and she said it almost threw her back into the other room <laughs> because it was so slippery by the doorknob oh and she said she started to look, and she goes, what is on the door? <laughs> Did and it work? Did all, she sneak out? Well, yeah, she was gone. I mean, uh, this was the next morning that Lois found it. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: She found <laughs> and, her own uh, WD-40, whatever she <laughs> uh,
2: It was Vaseline is what I heard. So, off. yeah, that was uh, that was hilarious. And so... <laughs> Uh, I think Tristan had a confession to make. That uh, yeah, <laughs> she did this, but uh, but that was that was good time memories.
1: Yeah, Sarah, what about you? How how would you like us to remember Tristan?
3: I want everyone to remember Tristan for the positive, beautiful woman she was, the helpful person who cared more about other people than she cared about herself. She was a social butterfly. Um, she loved hanging out with her friends and having fun, you know. And I think that even though the message that we're gonna be passing is a little bit more dark, it's important to remember that she still was a human also. And that, you know, it wasn't always like this. And, you know, you can take the good memories and you can keep them close with you. And so that's what I'm gonna choose to do while continuing to put her words out there and to put her story oh, yeah. out there because it's it's bigger than just writing on a laptop
2: yeah absolutely like you said is. we are all trusting and she resonated there so we yeah. gotta keep it moving
1: and we will we
0: will
2: we, we will, will. Mm-hmm. What yeah. is that?
0: anything we can do to help we we're there so okay Okay, yeah, I appreciate that. Absolutely. And you appreciate can
1: find it. her letter on all of my social media platforms. I know, Sarah, you have it on yours. It, do you want to share <laughs> any of your handles?
3: Uh, Yeah, sure. So it's on my Instagram and in my bio. The link is in my bio. Uh, It is Sarah with an H underscore Beth Smith.
1: Okay. And also on your Facebook, I believe, Ron.
0: Yes?
2: Yes.
1: Yeah. And is it just the, uh, Ron the Smith? The GoFundMe link,
0: is that also there
2: too? Or it should... Um, we haven't really talked about that yet. Is, did you put it there? I, I don't or, know. I
1: just put it on my Instagram. So you can... I have a highlight <laughs> right before we started. Good. There's a highlight. And I'll put it on the playlist on TikTok as well. I think
2: I'm going to let Sarah handle that aspect of it. You know, I... I started a new job three <laughs> weeks ago, and I'm trying to learn a new job and work on this. And, well, we will look and uh, and the deal the podcast with this.
0: as well, so anybody okay. can find it. a link on this podcast. I'll put it on my yes. social medias as well, so yeah, um, right. we'll make sure it's, it's everywhere so that people can find it for, for sure.
1: And also to the uh, National Suicide Hotline, yes. which again yes. is uh, 988 or 1-800-442-HOPE. And yep. you can call or text
3: 24-7. Continue to it. like, continue guys. to share. Let us know where you're sharing from, you know. Yeah. Don't stop.
1: Yeah. Thank you both for your thank you. bravery. Thank you. I know this wasn't easy and you're dealing with unimaginable things, but thank you for your bravery and coming forward in sharing Tristan's
0: story. You guys are amazing. We will not let her be forgotten. Thank you.